Greetings, friends. I am Tim Woody, and welcome to Leadosophy. Leadosophy is the fusion of leadership and philosophical thought. Together, we will deepen our understanding of leadership using the tools of meaningful dialogue, reflection, and a general curiosity to learn from one another. We will crowdsource knowledge, staying within the bounds of leadership, followership, team dynamics, and organizational effectiveness. I hope you enjoy the show. Here we go. Friends, welcome to Leadosophy. You are here with an open mind because that is the rule, not the exception. Today's episode I have titled, It's the Soil Stupid. Kind of a cheeky way for me to say, let's focus on the organizational environment. And if we focus on the organizational environment, more so than actually directly focusing on people, then we might perhaps create a more effective organization. And again, when we talk about organizational effectiveness, each organization, Leadosophy believes, each organization must define organizational effectiveness for that particular organization. What does that look like? I will say that I don't think you can define organizational effectiveness without touching on a couple themes. One, one of those themes, if it is a business, whether it's for-profit or not-for-profit, must be business outcomes, business metrics, right? What are we measuring and how do we know if we're effective and viable financially? Because, you know, no organization is going to survive if it's not viably financial. So you got business outcomes. Then you have the human element, right? The growth and learning of the organization, of its members, right? So that's the other part of effectiveness. How do we know that our members of the organization are learning, they are growing, they are adapting to, to changing needs? And how much of that is part of the effectiveness of the organization, right? So that's the other kind of component is, is the people and their contributions to the organization. There's a third part, I believe, of organizational effectiveness that somehow must be kind of wrapped in, again, most likely if it's a business, and that is the stakeholders, or the stakeholders are must be a very important part of organizational effectiveness. How are we engaging with our stakeholders? Is the relation, Are the relationships healthy? So I think it's stakeholders, the people within the organization, and business outcomes have to be some sort of combination of how you, a business measures or judges their effectiveness, right? So back to the soil analogy, you have an organization, right? Devoid of people, an organization is simply, it's just a hollow concept, right? So people deliberately organize to achieve a purpose or, or multiple purposes. They, they gather to solve some problem. And this might be a community problem. An organization or a group of people might join or, or create an organization to fill some product gap or improve upon a product weakness or they provide some service right, that people need or desire. And it may be even a, a service that people didn't even realize they need. For example, I didn't know I needed Uber until I'd actually ridden in an Uber. And I'm like, oh, I need this in my life, you know, especially if I'm in a more heavily populated area where Uber is available. And that's no slight on the taxi service. It's just kind of a fact when it comes to, when it comes to saving money or putting more money in my own pocket, Uber tends to be more, more cheap. So anyways, but back to the, the organization, people organize, organize intentionally, especially in the business world, right? Organizational environment is created. And within this environment, people work together to solve problems directly or indirectly related to that organization and its existential purpose, right? Existential purpose, I've done an episode on that before. That's the why behind the organization's creation. Why did we become an organization? What are we to do? right? And if, if it's uh, just a, a, a group of two or three people in a community, 
why did you form, right? What, what issue or problem were you trying to tackle within your community, right? To form this little organic volunteer organization, right? So back to the environment. And this is where I want to get to the, the soil plant analogy, right? So I want to give you a little definition. And this is according to the Atomic Energy Agency or the International Atomic Energy Agency. And it's the definition of soil fertility, Right, so soil fertility is the ability of a soil to sustain plant growth and optimize crop yield. So just follow me here. And again, you're probably wondering why the International Atomic Energy Agency is taking upon themselves to define soil fertility. Well, I'll tell you, it has to do with there's a joint division between the IAEA and the Food and Agriculture Organization of the United Nations. Right, They've joined together in this division and this is from the website, it assists member states in developing and adopting nuclear-based technologies for improving soil fertility practices, thereby supporting the intensification of crop production and the prevention of natural resources. So you learned a little something there today. I know I did. Uh, the IAEA has joined forces with the United Nations, and they have a, a, an agenda of trying to ensure that the people on the planet are fed or there's enough food to go around on the planet with the population. So I thought that was very fascinating. So back to soil fertility, if, if we continue or carry out this, this analogy of the metaphor, the metaphor we use here is comparing the organizational environment to the soil, right? And if you guess that the people within the organization are the crop of your choice or the plants, you would be also correct. So crop yield might be analogous to the growth or learning of organizational members. That's one example, right? Crop yield might also be analogous to how empowered members of the organization feel or how much autonomy they have to pursue the mastery of their crafts, right? Is my environment allowing me to succeed? Is it allowing me to thrive? Again, we talked, I talked about this on the last show with Adam and Jess. We, we talked about organizational effectiveness. Is my environment providing me everything I need to be successful, I talked about technical competence, mastering our craft in the workplace. Am I getting everything I need to be technically competent, to pursue more skills, more organizational learning, more organizational knowledge? Am I being allowed to do that? So now I think we get to the central thesis of the soil analogy, and it's very simple. The richer the soil, the richer the crop yield. Okay, We can unpack what it means to have rich soil, within an organization. And again, this is going to maybe look a little different for every certain or every type of organization. Does it follow that the richer the organizational environment is, AKA the soil, the more growth or growth opportunities organizational members will experience. And I say growth opportunities because you, you have to remember the, we can lead a horse to water analogy, right? You can have the best environment for, for organizational members. And some people may not take advantage of, of the tools and resources and knowledge that are provided to them. So I think that's important. So there's another metaphor that we can continue with the soil plant metaphor. And we talk about soil sampling. What does it mean to sample the soil? Well, I think it's important that all organizational members must, it's important that they keep a watchful eye, right? On changing soil conditions, right? Is the soil becoming less rich? Are more important, more and more people becoming disgruntled, right? This may be a soil issue. What's wrong with the soil? What's wrong? What, what in the environment is making people become more disgruntled or 
the perception is there that people are more disgruntled, right? Our tasks or process is becoming mundane. Or you might have tasks or processes that are not connected to the organization's mission. Maybe competition in the workplace is becoming more fierce. So again, that's for the perception. There's a reason why this might be so. Is there some, is there some environmental conditions that's, that's fueling the competition? So maybe resources are getting more scarce. Is my manager not being transparent with her agenda? Right? She wants me to do something and she's not being transparent with her underlying agenda of what's going on. And I'm kind of in the dark. Does Kathy want me to join her volunteer organization because it makes her look good and not because she thinks I can help the organization realize its purpose, right? This is going to go down to the, this idea of organizational knowledge that I'll now get into. I call it KTR. I've, I've touched on this in multiple episodes, KTR, which is short for organizational knowledge, organizational tools, and organizational resources. So that's kind of the sum total of, of the environment surrounding the people, the knowledge and tools and resources, do they have the knowledge, tools, and resources to succeed, to allow them to thrive, to allow them to grow, to allow them to learn, to allow them to adapt to changing conditions in their organization and external conditions outside of the organization? So I want to throw out a key assumption that I have about this whole fertile soil thing. I'll tie into the fertile soil thing, but there's a key assumption I want to start with, and it is this. And again, I encourage you, if, if you disagree with this, tell me why. I want to know why. Um, I'll try to unpack a little bit more what, where this assumption comes from, but here it goes. The more effort or energy an organization deliberately pours into its members, the more effective, quote unquote, effective the organization will be. As applied to organizational effectiveness, I define effort or energy as organizational knowledge, organizational tools, and organizational resources. Again, this is KTR, right? So do you agree with this assumption, right? That the more energy the organization, and then when I say the organization, I guess I'm really referring to management, leadership, mid-level, high-level. If it's an organization of four, you know, it's probably going to be a combination of everyone and pouring energy into themselves and to each other. It's going to be more of uh, everyone's leaning directly on each other. But obviously, the, the larger the bureaucracy becomes, the more hierarchical everything becomes as well. So you're depending more on mid, mid-level leaders, high-level leaders, the C-suiters to provide this knowledge and tools and resources for ever, everyone else in the organization to succeed and thrive, right? So I think a critical, critical for me, a critical component of leadership Right. And, and again, I think I've mentioned this on the last episode, maybe the episode before that I am going to get away from glamorizing leadership specifically, because when it comes to organizational effectiveness, which is the world I, I want to live in is dealing and talking about organizational effectiveness. There's more to just how a leader acts or leads. Now I admit again, there's, that's a, that's a, a pretty significant size or part of an organization, but it's not the end all be all. Everyone in the organization must have accountability for making their environment more rich, making the soil more rich and bringing attention to others. If that soil is not rich enough for them to thrive, that's everyone's responsibility. No one's just a bystander. There are no victims right at the lower levels. Just because you're at the lower levels, don't, don't play victim and just sit back and say, I can't do anything. My boss makes me feel terrible. Right now. Maybe there are circumstances like that, but everyone has to try to push back if they can and up to a point, I understand there's, there's limits. 
But back to leadership, and again, not to harp on leadership specifically, but a critical component of leadership is providing knowledge, tools, and resources, but also taking away or removing barriers, right? Barriers for people, obstacles that may stunt their growth or learning, right? Maybe obstacles or barriers that are creating dysfunction within teams. There might be some other pain points that as a leader, I might be able to take away, right? That run counter to favorable organizational environment or might create a toxic soil. You want to give people the opportunities to flourish, but you don't want to define flourishing for them. I think that's very important. So I think it's, it's been a good time to bring up Abraham Maslow. I don't know if I've mentioned that. I may not have mentioned this book before, but there's a book he wrote uh, on management. It's actually titled Maslow on Management. And he kind of believed in the circular, circular relationship between organizations and the workforce in the workplace. So for Maslow, he thought that some workers found, not all workers, and no one thinks it's all workers, but there are some people that find so much meaning in their craft, especially, again, talking in the business here, business organization, they find so much meaning in their craft that the organization they worked for helped shape their their self-identity, right? It becomes a part of their self-identity. So Maslow carried this further and said that the more meaning the worker found in their job, the more successful that worker would make the organization. That's the theory. And in turn, the organization fulfilled, kind of fulfilled the worker's needs, I guess. And the cycle kind of goes on and it's like symbiotic relationship. It's very fascinating, very fascinating. And I think there's some truth to that. And it's, again, it's not always the case, but I think we can find, if you've been in organizations long enough, you can see people who find so much meaning in what they do, so much inspiration in what they do, uh, that they pour all of their energy into the organization. Maybe sometimes it, becomes very uh, kind of energy draining that you, you give so much and then can be even dejecting if you feel like you're giving so much to the organization and there's not, it's not being reciprocated. And if that's the case, I can assure you over time that will grind away at the person kind of like that wave. That's, that's just lapping on the rock and just grinding it away. And eventually that, that person will, will turn away and, and seek employment elsewhere if they don't feel like they're getting anything in return. So I believe that each organization must, very important here, as far as, before you can talk about the organizational environment, each organization, again, must with clarity and brevity define what effectiveness means for that organization. And then you can start taking, kind of taking soil samples of what's the environment that we're creating based on how we define effectiveness, right? I think that's important. So I just want to talk about kind of start wrapping this up, but I want to talk about what I mean by organizational knowledge, what I mean by organizational tools, and what I mean by organizational resources. Because again, this is a large part of the organizational environment. And there, there are more parts to the, to the environment or to the soil than just knowledge, tools, and resources. I understand that. But these are the three big ones that I, I think are very important that every, every person in an organization must kind of take note of, right? So organizational knowledge is the first one. And what I believe organizational knowledge is, right? Or what this means is that the knowledge of organizational members, number one, is shared freely throughout the organization. We're not withholding knowledge, right? So you might find this in a very competitive environment, right? People are keeping things from from others or they're members of the teams that are withholding information because they want to look good or they want to prop themselves up, right? That is not healthy soil at all. It's not healthy soil. 
So again, I think knowledge manifests in many forms, right? It's assumptions, right? What assumptions are we bringing to the, to the environment? Every day you'll see in the workplace, people are making decisions based on assumptions. Are they being transparent with their assumptions? And again, I, I talked about agendas or, or agendas transparent. Everyone has an agenda. Is it transparent in, amongst the team? Right, that goes to team effectiveness. I talk about organizational effectiveness a lot, but there's also team effectiveness. What is the agenda of the team? Does everybody know it? Information and data, that goes without saying. Experiential learning is part of organizational knowledge. How the organization adapts to the changing environment requires knowledge. It requires, as Argyre says, Chris Argyre is the famous psychologist, learning is the detection and correction of error. Right? Is that being shared? Is that organizational knowledge being shared? Every organization hopefully has some sort of vision or the mission or they have values. Right? These are all this is all organizational knowledge. Is it clear? Does everyone understand it from the from the very newest member of the organization to the very top? Are those visions, missions, and values clear? Everyone has fears as well, right? Fears within the within the organizational environment. People have anxiety, fears. They may fear change. Is that clear? Does, does everyone know that? Right? The daily workflows and the roles and responsibilities and job descriptions and policies and procedures, this is all part of organizational knowledge. And this all must be shared freely. And on top of that, some of this organizational knowledge, there, there must be an avenue to question this, kind of get beneath the surface of some of this organizational knowledge that potentially may have been acquired an error might be faulty or may be causing faulty actions, especially when it comes to tasks and processes, right? If there's, if there's errors in tasks and processes, there might be some underlying things underneath that that need to be questioned or pulled apart, all part of organizational knowledge. So what do you think? What is, does that align with your idea of organizational knowledge? And do you believe that the more energy or effort when it comes to organizational knowledge that the organization pours into its members or demands from its members, the more effective that organization might be. And what else can we add to that? And then finally, the TR, the organizational tools and organizational resources. So this might be the right information technology systems. And if you've been, you know, if you've had a job where you have some HR software you're dealing, dealing with that is just not effective and it's clunky or hard to work with, it can cause a lot of pain points. And that could be other types of, types of, uh, IT software. Again, my, my, my previous job when I worked as an OD organization development manager or specialist in a mental, at a mental health behavioral clinic, uh, we got a new HR IT system that was, it was a combination of HR and payroll and just a ton of issues with it. And the mental health, health therapist on the flip side of that had some new uh, therapy software that they were using for medical records type stuff. And there were just a lot of pain points. I think a lot of them were worked out, but some of them weren't. So that goes to organizational tools and resources. Do we have the right tools and resources to do our job well and effective and efficient, right? Do we have the right, the correct working office equipment? Do I have sufficient space? And by sufficient space, I mean physical and psychological space. I think that's important. What about per personal protective equipment? You know, having a career in the in the United States Coast Guard and doing search and rescue in, in very dangerous uh, environments on the ocean, personal protective equipment was crucial. 
if when I was in command, if, if the crew that I was responsible for, if they didn't have the correct personal protective equipment, uh, they were going to be out, they weren't going to be effective doing their job. You can't affect a rescue if you don't have the correct equipment to do to do to affect the rescue with. So that's very important. Uh, what about employee wellness resources? Right, that goes that that's very important as well. So again, this list is non exhaustive of, of tools and resources, but again, it's part of the soil, the workplace environment, and part of leadership and management is is ensuring that everyone has the proper tools and resources to be effective at their job, not just be effective. Right. We just don't want to kind of like survive. We want to hopefully excel. I think it's, again, one of the fundamental assumptions that a leader or manager should have is that the people that might be working for them want to reach their highest potential. They want to be highly effective at their jobs. They want to be highly technically competent. They want to master their crafts and they want to give everything to the organization as long as that's being reciprocated back to that kind of that circular symbiosis that Maslow talked about. Very important. So I think we, as we start to kind of close here, I want to know, first of all, what kind of one, a couple of final points I want to make about knowledge, tools, and resources is, is two-way accountability. And I, I briefly touched on this earlier, but I think it's important to know that an organization's leadership and management must continually seek, identify, prioritize, and fill gaps and knowledge, tools, and resources, right? And on the flip side, all organizational members must continually identify and prioritize knowledge, tools, and resources that are needed and report any deficiencies within KTR to leadership and management. I think that's very important, very important. And then lastly, leaders and managers have to create an environment, right? This is back to the soil that promotes transparent communication and knowledge tools and resource gaps among all organizational members, right? So what this is environment, what does this environment look like? You have to empower people to bring you their problems. You have to empower people and be very, very blunt and specific with them that if you don't have something you need, you need to tell me. If there is something you need to, to be more effective at your job, you need to tell me. I can't guarantee I can give it to you right away, but we will prioritize your needs and make sure in the grand scheme of everything that needs to be prioritized. Cause we have to remember competition, scarce resources. Not every organization has unlimited funds, but we will do the best we can to give you the knowledge tools and resources you need to succeed. And again, to provide a lot of the knowledge type stuff that I talked about earlier, it doesn't really cost anything to make sure that assumptions are clear. Agendas are clear. Uh, we're making sure the mission is clear our tasks and processes are tailored to the mission and not just some random whim of, of manager A, B, or C that wants to, you know, look good for somebody. So I think that's good. I think that's enough, enough discussion of knowledge, tools, and resources. Remember, soil fertility is the metaphor for the organizational environment. Is our soil fertile? Is it fertile? Will our crop yield be plentiful? Will the people grow? Can they grow? Can they learn? Can they adapt? Are we doing every, everything we can to ensure that everyone has a healthy organizational environment so they can succeed? And when they succeed, the organization succeeds and it's circular. So that's all I have for today's episode of Leadosophy. I hope you enjoyed it. Give me a shout out. You can email me at tim at leadosophy.com. 
um, on Twitter at Leadosophy. Also have a private Facebook group if you're interested. Uh, you could just search Leadosophy in, in Facebook and it'll come up. Uh, shoot me a message. I'll, I'll let you into the group. We have about 100 members and everyone's really, honestly, there's a lot of knowledge I get from from people within that group. It's really, really awesome, but it is private uh, for specific reasons. And we don't talk about anyone's specific jobs. It's very general talk about leadership and management and followership and team dynamics and organizational effectiveness. A lot of fun. All right, everyone. Uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Remember, Leadosophy is about using the tools of philosophical thought to deepen our understanding of leadership and of life. We'll catch you next time. Thanks for watching and listening to another episode of Leadosophy. If you liked what you heard today, hit that subscribe button and check out leadosophy.com and learn more about Tim's ideas on philosophy and leadership. We'll see you next time.